from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. It's Wednesday, May 30th, 2018, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios, Eddie Big Cat Coffold. So blessed. Here. <laughs> Over there. <laughs> On the ones and That's twos. That's where I'm at. Our illustrious producer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello, Eddie. Too blessed to be stressed, even though I am stressed, <laughs> but I am too blessed. Even technically, I am technically, I should be too blessed to be stressed. I don't know. It's there not is, working. What people don't know. Well, hold on. You and all the going. way from Nashville, Tennessee, author, speaker, podcaster, our newest cast member, Annie F. Downs. Good morning, gents. Je- Jesse, why are you stressed? Oh, just Jesse's uh, always stressed. Hey, there's just a lot yeah. going on. Everything's positive. Just a lot going on. A lot of balls in the air. But good thing I am a you know professional juggler yeah. at these type of things. You know? I've never had a friend live in such a perpetual state of stress. I think. I, well, it's particularly podcast days. Particularly podcast days. Because here's the thing: I always get too ambitious. I'm like, you know, the podcast. Oh, <laughs> did you guys see that? <laughs> Yeah, we saw something bang or something move. (laughs) My table, the leg literally just fell off the table I'm sitting at and banged into the wall. Hold on, let me try to remedy this. That, sir, is a metaphor. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Not a good sign. We never talk about the fact that in Jesse's home, there's like a little sign in the back that says, and they lived happily ever after. Because he's taping, he tapes, he moves around all the time. But I like to be in here when I record because I'm really close to the router. And I can like so he's in the master, in. He's in yeah. the master bedroom. It's glamorous. It's we have this beautiful studio in Orlando. He's he's in a in a corner of his master bedroom. But our view is of the beautiful, lovely sign above the marital bed, and it says oh. in script, <laughs> "Hey, in script, I, I have and they lived happily ever I, after." I have like a really cool <laughs> office, like upstairs, and I have you know a really cool por- a piece of sports memorabilia that I recently purchased. That I was gonna that I have like hanging, and it's just awesome setup, but. They, they're like my my cable, my network cable from my modem. It barely like it barely even reaches that room entirely. So I just compromise and record from here. I have wondered for a few weeks because you've been in there for a few weeks, and I've wondered: Does Jesse's wife have that art hanging in his office <laughs> that you lived happily ever after in your office? Yeah, <laughs> that you have agreed to a covenant relationship. <laughs> yeah, and you are not allowed to leave her for relevant. No, no, that no. You know what? That uh, sign was actually sent to me from Relevant, and they said, "Remind remind yourself of this whenever you record." They lived happily ever after. So, because we don't want to be responsible. <laughs> you know, for whatever happens to you, Jess. We have a, uh, a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, we talk to author Austin Channing Brown. Yes. She's coming yes. up. I am almost done with her new book. It is. That's who, what we talked to her about. Yeah. It is. Eddie, what's your, can you give it a one sentence review of what you've read so far? Boy, that is hard. <laughs> that is almost impossible to do, but it is her experience growing up as an African-American woman. And it's a perspective that I, have never identify with. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just like a really eye opening book. It was like okay. A couple things. That's more than in a sentence. I and know, two, that's more of a <laughs> summarization, a summarization of the book, not a review. I didn't ask uh, you to tell well, me what I, it's about. I said, give me a was, review. You could have said, I, like on a movie poster, riveting, 
everyone should read the best <laughs> be book of the year. That's a review, Eddie. You you botch that in many ways, right? I know, but to be honest, like it's hard because the book, like I kind of. Like Still, I, so many sentences, oh, so many it. sentences. Annie, have you <laughs> not seen a movie poster? Think of a movie poster. It's a word or three words with quotes around them. Let's try you again. Clearly, Austin you Channing clearly Brown. have not read the book. Jesse hasn't read the book. That's what I'm <laughs> no, going to say. No, that's not a review still. It is not possible to give a summary little review of this. Sorry, Jesse. Yes, it failed. is. Yeah. Have you read it? No, but everything can be summarized. I have it. I just well, said no, we don't want a summary. He wanted a review. Yeah, he he yeah. just said moving in quote perfect review. <laughs> perfect <laughs> review. <laughs> Thought provoking. Thought provoking. Come to revolutionary. Worth one word the read. And there's three words yeah. that we would have known. Worth the read. Read it now. Okay. Yeah, that's all I need. By the way, yeah. do you guys ever think they make up those quotes on the movie poster? You know, like just they can't. They're attributed. Yeah, some of them are, but but even if they attributed, who's checking that? Who's sourcing it? That like they could say this is you know uh, Stan, Stan Jenkins from the Toledo Daily Beacon. I don't know if the Stan to- Jenkins is real. I don't know if the Toledo even has a Daily Beacon. The the Toledo Daily Beacon would not stand for misuse of their brand. It would be false advertising. They're not faking it. What they're doing is they're coercing it. They're doing like payola trips of media to get sneak previews and they're flying them around and whining and dining them. And then they get their pithy little movie line. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I've I've done done junkets like that in the past and it didn't buy buy my support. Absolutely not. I will, you know, not, nothing like you could, you could treat me like a million bucks. And if I don't like the movie, I'm, I'm not you know, going to give you, I, I, I gave give, one studio a line. It's uh, my line for the, for it was the trip was lovely. And then they didn't use it. But. Yeah. The, the, the Beverly Hills Ritz Carlton is lived up to the hype. So wait, so they fly you. My only experience with this has been with the movie in Nashville. So I've never been flown anywhere to see a movie and then yeah. write a review. They fly you somewhere. So I've been flown to on location while they've been shooting. I've been like uh, internationally. I've been flown to Beverly Hills, put up at the Ritz Carlton, go to the studio. You're spending time with the cast. You see the screening, nice meals. It's all comped. Yeah. Cameron, you are so bougie. I had no idea. Yeah. That's the inside thing. And and we're not bought. I mean, literally, and we we only accept if they know this will not affect coverage. But yes, we would like the chance to talk with the cast or see the screening, of course, but it will not affect our coverage. Uh, Other, like the Toledo Daily Herald, they're bought all day it's long. It's a beacon. It's the a beacon. beacon. The beacon. Yeah. 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 Either way. <laughs> I don't care. I mean, who cares? Hey, hey, yeah. If you some Christian movie on it, sure, fly me anywhere. Do whatever you this want. Is I'll write what you want. Eddie Koffoltz from EddieKoffoltz.biz says, <laughs> lovely. <laughs> so he does a 17-sentence summary of the yeah. movie. That's yeah, his that's blurb. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this... This is literally just the plot. Can you give us any kind of indication whether it was good? Yeah. Uh, once you read this book, which you probably won't do, it, you're going to understand why I cannot give it a one word. Wow, summary. that's so rude. Okay. I was yeah. talking wow, to Jesse, but if you want to make it about you, we can do that as well. <laughs> oh Go ahead. I think she's I just saying just in, general. in general. Yeah, Let's I make it about Annie. Everyone listening in general. I didn't know you were pointing right at Jesse. No, it was yeah. di- directly at Jesse. You guys are oh. punchy today. Are you? Did you guys? Not Cameron, have a why, memorial did, why did Eddie come in all salty today? <laughs> yes, oh, you came in salty. You're all coming in hot. Were your Memorial Day weekends not okay? I mean, did y'all have fun? Did you relax? 
Oh, I didn't like it. No, I thought it was terrible three days. Why? Uh, oh, just there too, we go. Here we go. Oh, just too much stuff. And then I have too I'm much like, stuff. What do you mean? I'm not going to get into everything we did, but it was just like, I'm just tired. And then we got like a, a lot, a lot. This is the busiest two weeks of the whole work year. Oh, really? Hey, I won't get into the boring details of why, but it is never too busier, busier than these two weeks. But also, I'm just not going to give a, a, a little, I'm not going to play Jesse's dumb games. <laughs> Even if I was no. in a good mood, I would have said the same exact thing. You play the, so you're you, not in a good mood. Oh, no, I'm in terrible place. Uh, so we're going to get edgy Eddie today. Oh, I love oh. when this is the Eddie that shows up. Oh, yeah, up. I'm terrible. Oh, terrible. <laughs> I, I noticed, like, since I walked in... Since I've walked into the studio, Eddie did not make eye contact with no. me once. Or anyone. It's really? not just you. I'm just, yeah, no, I'm deep in he's it. He's already it was... snapped at, he's already snapped at Chandler for uh, off mic for, <laughs> for some, Eddie, let's, okay, guys, I feel like I'm having a hard time moving on from this because I feel like, I feel like Annie and I, I feel like Annie and I are in perfectly fine, pleasant moods, you know, I, we're, we're, we're bantering already. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, I mean, we're bantering already, and, and Annie we checked it, in with how each other's weekends went. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I told friendship. her I, went, I have all the the shenanigans. Eddie's coming in like Walter Matthile from either Grumpy Old Men or yeah. from Dennis the Menace. Either way, he, there's something, so there's something wrong with him. That is sort of his go-to character. I didn't realize he was so curmudgeon, salty in every movie. Yeah, curmudgeon. Yeah, That's too bad. And Eddie, yeah. Eddie, what, what's, dead, what's 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 got you? What's what's, what's got the root? y'all? What's the root of all this, buddy? Yeah. Oh boy, we're not. We really are not going to do this on this show. Like absolutely oh. not. But <laughs> but uh, I, here here's the here's a little a little softball part of it. Just didn't sleep last night. Just did not. I'm a little cranky because I did not get enough sleep. So that's like the the outside layer of the onion. Then when you what's start your to, normal amount of sleep? Seventeen hours. Uh, it's a total depression. <laughs> it's just I sit there. You, uh, what you don't know, Eddie and also sloths sleep seventeen hours. You just sleep and cry and sleep and cry, and the kids want me up, and I just can't do it. No, I don't know. Like uh, six hours, six seven hours. I'm good. Is normal. And hmm. last night you got. Uh, boy, last night. We went to bed. Are we really doing this? Yeah. Well, I guess we talked about Jesse's wireless setup, so this is just as interesting. <laughs> went to bed at went to bed at eleven. Woke up at three. Three. You've been up since three. I've been up since three. Just a stomach and turning, mind turning, a lot going on. Just to, man, that's to, ground punching mm-hmm. territory. Am I right? I am not oh. doing okay. Oh, buddy, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh no, we'll be fine. Well, we'll be fine. We'll get a, go to the gym tonight. We do the things, you know, to bring us out of it. Uh, but Eddie, like, when you, know, you say we'll stomach turning, I. Is this, are you having a digestive issue? I don't mean to cry, but is this this food related? We had our annual Memorial Day cottage cheese challenge. And as always, I am extremely sick. It's it's really fouled up my mood in a lot of ways. Absolutely. It's every night of Memorial Day. I am just, uh, I am wrecking. I don't want to do this joke. A tradition that refuses to die. And the the, the cottage cheese, as the weekend goes on, it's been sitting out in the sun just longer and longer. You put it out out when the guests come over at four and then you finally get around to the challenge at 730 even swimming in the pool I, it's a mess so I don't I've, know why we I don't know why we don't get a cooler for the stuff we just yeah. you know it always it just, sits right out there right we in always the forget. no lid just no a lid. large bowl of warm two percent cottage cheese oh anyhow that's probably the baseline of why things aren't okay right now but we'll be yeah, all right okay. I'm excited about Austin Channing and her book that I can't summarize no, we, uh, we no one asked you to. We know the summary. <laughs> Again, we no need one an asked adjective. You. Think adjective. <laughs> Think one adjective. Describe how you felt about the book. There's too many It can many be an adverb. It can be an adverb. Just I some just, descriptor. <laughs> Something with an, an L-Y. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. L-Y. What, what can I? It's, I cried. 
That's not. Is that enough? <laughs> oh, that's good. That's a movie poster. <laughs> yeah. I cried. Oh gosh, Eddie yes. it, tells me, it tells me nothing about the book. Other <laughs> the than last time I cried book was Old Man in the Sea, and that was like 14 years ago, I think, when I read that the last time. But no, yeah, this book was. It's I over. cried watching um, Chris Lee knows best on. Uh, uh, what? Uh, yeah, Cameron. yesterday, literally yesterday, I teared up watching Chris Lee Knows Best. It was when what? his son was graduating high school and he took him aside and kind of had a dad moment, was talking about all the years of, you know, kind of pouring into him and he's proud of him. And it was just a dad moment. I just choked up watching stupid Chris Lee Knows Best marathon yesterday. Well, it's <laughs> beautiful. Can I ask you a question about Chris Lee Knows Best? And I've never watched it, but I've always been perplexed by it, like yeah. just his, his existence. Who is Chris Lee and why did they give him a TV show? Like, should I know? Like when the marketing campaign rolled out, it's like, oh, it's Chris Lee. Everyone should know Chris Lee. And it's like, I don't know where Chris Lee came from. Todd Chris Lee was a uh, lower income, uh, lower socioeconomic status guy, grew up in a small town, South Carolina, moved to Atlanta, made his, made, uh, his name in real estate, became very, very, very wealthy, became an entrepreneur. And his kids he's just an over-the-top personality and stuff and he's got these like this southern family raising the kids but in this like bougie lifestyle it's almost like the beverly hillbillies but real life you know and you know they live here now they're not in atlanta yeah, anymore they, they're yeah, here. They moved to nashville because the daughter goes to lipscomb university and the, they moved the whole family and moved the show so but here's my question did you know chris lee before he got the show like why are we on no. uh, like such no. a familiar basis <laughs> yeah, with chris lee it? it's a jason kennedy show right no, I don't think so. I, Is it not? It's oh, on E. But I, you know, they um, they it's just like any of the house, Real Housewives. I mean, they were just you know, yeah. But people but, but, who but, had I mean, an that, agent. The concept is in his name. That it's like the Kardashians. Right. It's like everyone knew the Kardashians because of Robert Kardashian, right? Like, right. but it's like it's like I should know Chris Lee. It's like the Cecil the Lion thing. I didn't know. I'd never heard Cecil the Lion. And everyone act like I should have been outraged about. I'm not happy. I wasn't happy about Cecil the Lion, <laughs> but I didn't know anything about. So, same thing with Harambe. It was like no Harambe. Harambe, not Harambe. I didn't know Harambe until. I give some human examples, Jesse. But like, it, but to Jesse's point, and I hate to agree with him, but like, name another animal you know the name of, other than your like dog and Leo your friend's the lion, dog. the mascot of MGM Studios from the 1950s. Dead. I mean, like a living animal. Like, can you just say like in Africa, I really care about this lion. I mean, they probably yeah. all have names. But say this now. Now replace living lion with real estate agent. I don't know, yeah. and I don't care. I can tell you, my I tell the guy who sold me my house, and if he just showed up on a TV show that they're using his name and just presuming people know him, not only that they know him, but he knows best. I am skeptical. I am skeptical yeah. of the whole Chrisley institution. <laughs> I'm with you. Well, there you go. Well, I, well, I like that. them. They're here. They own a juice bar here. They do. So that was one of the episodes. Yeah, and his face is there's a cutout of his face in the window to the kitchen. So you always are like, Oh, talk Chrisley. And it's not, it's just a picture of his face. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Who? I gotta be honest. I would not be that excited. If I saw him, <laughs> I'd be like, this is a guy that thinks I should know him. And I'm yeah, a real estate too. mogul, Todd Chrisley in, yeah. the, in the kitchen of the juice bar. I'm, yeah, well, I've they, never yeah, heard of this so before. All the kids work there. You see it on the show, don't you? <laughs> I'm just like, you what it? are you talking about? I thought you were talking about a movie or something. No, like Chris that Lee knows best. It was a, it's an E show. Uh, I mean, I've, I've figured that out yeah. at this point. I'm, right, I've Googled them now. So. Context clues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good content right there. So you're saying I should watch it. It's very funny. I'm with you, Cam. Jesse, are you still training for Hood to Coast? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I ran. <laughs> I ran soft. this weekend. I, I'm not on a program. I'm not. You know me. That's I don't a believe ridiculous it. question, Cameron. You absolutely <laughs> should both still be training. I don't. Are I don't believe in, in regimented programs. I let my body tell me how far I'm running that day. So I am, but not on some, not on some program. Jesse. How's your training going? I have I have the sheet, the mm-hmm. six day a week sheet on the fridge, and I literally take a marker and check off every day, just to, almost like advent calendar. Just are like you on the, are you it? on track? Whether you've done it or not? Yeah. Oh, that no, you've no, done no, it. no, no, that I have done it. <laughs> Even if I didn't, I'm honest with myself. Yeah. There was a, last Tuesday I, I missed, and it's empty, and it's it empty. haunts me. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm on track. I ran last night, and I messed my knee up a little bit. I'm in pain today, but Uh-oh. it was the longest run yet. It was like 50 minutes, and it was have, I, I do you too have good, hard. Do you have good running shoes? Yeah. You, yeah, you like have. That's impressive. But I, I literally went minutes. from like zero to a hundred on this. Like I'd never run longer Did you than the block. The no, I understand. But have you I asked anybody to look at right? your like analyze your feet? I'm gonna give it a month. I bought some really nice Nike running ones, yeah. um, like high end yeah, Nike yeah. running ones, and then I'm gonna give it a month. I don't want to go into like those specialty stores, stores like Track Shack. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what my stride is. Yes. I wanted to get to the point where I knew my stride yes. before they, they sized me. That will be me. very helpful. Yeah. That will be a big deal. But last night was the first time I really experienced actual pain. Like, like, oh, my joints were not ready for this. And so I'm, I'm limping you, this morning. But Do you have any of those compression like sleeves or anything? Or like, I'm sure they make them for your literally knees. Literally got back last night and Thanks. got on the internet and yeah. ordered all the... Patella support yeah. bands and all that junk because I'm going to be that guy. Yeah, my left knee, man. <laughs> See, <laughs> no I joke. the only thing I do because I think it's a lot like the, you know, um, like Valentine's Day. All this gear stuff is just perpetuated by the running industry. <laughs> just to, you know, you only put 250 miles on those shoes. You know, you got to buy another 200 dollars pair, right? <laughs> He's wearing Carter the only thing I do that I know works. That, that I know works is that tape that the volleyball players wear. I tape every inch of skin in that weird tape. I don't know what it's doing, uh, but I'm all tape. I look like a mummy coming down the road with just that, that tape. Just tape. I haven't I even read what benefit's supposed to do, but if there's professional volleyball players wearing it, they're on to something. I mean, you know, they really are why not that. tape myself? What is it about volleyball that necessitates that much tape? I think it's the joint movement thing, the shoulders the joint, and the, yeah. whatever, and the support. But like, it's, it's, jumping, not, it's not like it's not, jumping. But it's not braces. It's just like three random pieces. Like they're always like it's like a yeah, random V with a line through it. Like what yeah. is that doing? You know, <laughs> I wonder why volleyball more so than like I feel like I don't see it as much in other sports. Basketball, but, they do it. They tape. Mm. They, do they? They do weird yeah. taping in basketball. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Especially on the legs, but uh, also the shoulders and stuff. You'll see. But some Cameron, legs. are you are you with me that there's no way that does anything? That I don't just, know. Like just, I've never experienced it, so I don't know what it, what what it's doing. You know, I don't. It's know. It's not taping anything. It's just a random piece. It's a random tape on your skin in a shape. That's not. What? It's not going around a muscle. It's not like suspending or you know like what supporting it anything. It just tape huh. shapes. I refuse huh. to think that tape shapes do anything. Yeah. I don't know. Well, uh, just so everybody knows that I am, I am committed to this. I am. If, if my body will let me, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Oh, I nobody will, thinks I will, you're not. I believe you. I'm doing it. Uh, yeah. just because you guys don't believe in me. That's why I'm doing it. Like, Hey, <laughs> you of, always say that. I think you in your mind think we don't believe in you or that's the motivation you need. No yeah, you one doesn't believe in you. We're concerned about your health. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I don't, yeah, I don't believe But you. the reason why I'm doing it <laughs> is, is running with Team World Vision. We're trying to raise uh, money for clean water in South Sudan. So I am yeah, I believe in. I am trying to raise $10,000 personally. 
I'm going to, I want you podcast listeners to support, support it. I'm going to post a link or something here soon on social media where people can donate and like kind of help me make this worth it because it is not enjoyable right now. But if we can build a bunch of wells in South Sudan, I'm in. I'm going to do the same. And I want, and here's the challenge I want to throw out to listeners. Whoever you believe in more, donate to that page. Whoever you feel like has a higher likelihood. For, remember, I'm going to be all taped up. I'm going to be all taped up. But when you're, you're making your decision, it's a matter of belief. And who are you going to believe? Uh, a guy who is covered in tape and right. believes in the and believes in the power of the mind or the guy who's looking for the next CVS. That's all I'm saying. I know. Go with I, the, the guy who's guy. never Go done this before, who's 30 pounds overweight and can't and is jogging to CVS's halfway through his run. Yeah. I though I gotta tell you though, between the two of you, I'd still bet on the Cameron horse. Why? Because I think you have a little bit more like understandable like fear about oh this is serious. this is a thing i think jesse is still gonna wear i mean i said it before but like converse shoes and cargo shorts oh my gosh, and just no. get out there and be like hey no listen we were in montana and he's just like casually like hey brink you want to run seven miles this morning sure five miles felt great yesterday i'm like going that would take me a month like a week of psychological like build up to be able to even think about doing that Here's the thing. Whenever I do organized races, I don't believe in pacing yourself. I believe <laughs> you full sprint for as long as you can. There's just, just a real, and you just come screaming out of the starting line. The real full lack sprint. of practical knowledge accompanied with the Jesse horse. <laughs> like it's just like a really athletic, good person yeah. that is very very dumb about certain <laughs> no, things. No, no, no. Like, I think you're wrong because I like, think Cameron is going to be real reliable. I think Cameron's going to be the horse you're cheering on for the first time he has to mm-hmm. run. I think the concern is that he has to do it again at 3 a.m. up a mountain for another seven miles. And he had just done it two hours before. Yeah, that's the concern. I mean, the good thing is I got the legs. I saw the the legs and it's um, kind of three and a half, four and a half. I mean, it's doable chunks, Mm -hmm. but it is. You're right. I mean, you jump in the van and then, you know, an hour and a half, two hours later, you got to jump out and do it again. I'm wondering, though, is like maybe because your body's warmed up, maybe it's actually not as bad as even the first leg. I'm wondering if the second time doing it is, which is something that comes in the training, like doing interval like that, yeah. and like kind of prepping for the pace of it. Plus I feel That's like they're going to be, too, Jesse. because this isn't a brand new race. Like they're really wise about recovery. Like whatever you do in that hour and a half yeah. is going to be really helpful yeah. to get you Eddie, to the next. No, they aren't. They don't care about the people. They set the race and gave them a schedule to train. They don't care. <laughs> they put them in a van yeah. and the van keeps driving. No, but that van's going to have like right, the right kinds of foods and things to yeah. eat in it. It's not just going to be. They have to bring them. The hours between your legs are for one thing, and that's reapplying tape liberally. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. Yeah, there's not going to be one inch of flesh. It, it's time to just be fully taped. <laughs> fully, fully taped. So y'all just be saving your pennies now, and Jesse and I will be asking you for donations for clean water in Su- South Sudan here in the next couple of months over, over the course of the summer. Help us raise 10000 bucks each for uh, World Vision to do some clean water projects. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, like it's yeah. it's a worthwhile cause. Yeah. We actually have another friend who's who's joined the team as well, Brent Ryan Green, who's a yeah. filmmaker and... Lives, fine. lives in oh no he, he's yeah, on he's our a montana runner. trip he was a, 
Jesse's running buddy. Yeah, he's he fine. runs yeah. marathons, I mean, but he like runs stuff. cross country like all yeah. the time. So he doesn't yeah. have to train really. He just does what he normally does. Yeah, he oh, well, yeah. he's yeah. he's like between now and Hood to Coast to ramp up to Hood to Coast. He's running like three other races. <laughs> so it's like great. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be limping around my neighborhood trying to get to the CVS, dragging my left <laughs> foot. You know, yeah. <laughs> Hood to Coast is literally just a heat check for Brent. Like you know, I've already done. All right, four races. Might as well do this this all night one. But between the three of us, thirty thousand dollars, hopefully or more, for um, yeah. South Sudan clean water projects. So that's pretty yeah. cool. It's gonna make a difference. All right, we'll move yeah. the show along. It is time for our look back at what happened this week in culture and entertainment. It's time for in case you missed it. Hey, in case you missed it, this week Bill Gates recommended people read a book about Christianity and the idea of healing. The tech billionaire uh, has added the memoir. Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved by Duke Divinity Professor Kate Bowler to his summer recommended reading list. The book was in, endorsed by a number of high-profile Christian writers like Shauna Nequist, who's a friend of ours. Um, so Kate Bowler is also the author of the book, Blessed, A History of the, of the American Prosperity Gospel. The <laughs> memoir shares her journey of wrestling with her Christian faith while battling stage four colon cancer. Throughout the book, she delves into the idea that God rewards the faithful with health and wealth. Gates grew up being taught prosperity teachings and wrote that the book really resonated with him. As Gates previously explained in his blog, he said, all four of my grandparents were deeply devout members of a Christian sect that believed that if you get, got sick, it must be because you did something to deserve it. When one of my grandfathers became seriously ill, he struggled to figure out what he might have done wrong. He couldn't think of anything, so he blamed his wife. He died thinking she had caused his illness by committing some oh unknown gosh. sin. Well, man. Wow. Tell me, tell me he's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? It's a, he's a mysterious guy. Hey, point of view. Hey, in fairness, we know nothing about Bill Gates' grandmother here. Yeah. So. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> well, we know, we know, we know, we know in part, we see in part. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, anyway. It is crazy how like, you know, just like a warped teaching, like, because obviously that that's all in, in jest uh, and, you know, the heresies on Eddie's part there because he first made the joke. <laughs> but um, it is, who, who you, you know, saying like, that? How, are you saying that to the Lord? I mean, who are you? Who are you trying to clear the, the yeah. slate with there? Yeah, because I'm not I'm not clearing you. You're still a part of it. Nobody on the podcast who's listening is clearing I need to you. Be, I need to be on record for the day of judgment. It, mainly, the reason I, w I wanted to throw that out there is because I don't want me or my wife to get sick. And... <laughs> <laughs> And if that's true, then I got to clear. I got to go on record and point the sin at somebody else. That's how this works. If I'm reading scripture right, <laughs> if I'm reading scripture right, don't you wonder how? Like, how does how does Bill Gates get Kate Bowler's book? Like, what path happened? Because that is not like in your because you bought this, you should also buy this list on Amazon for Bill Gates, right? Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Well, I, think it, I, think it's so interesting. I, I, I think partly it's because he, you know, because of obviously like one warp teaching from his childhood has had kind of a lifelong fascination with the idea of healing, you know? And so um, obviously, you know, she's a, you know, relatively well-known and credible author. So that might be why he gravitated to it. But it is funny. Like, I remember, I think it was like Shea Serrano of like the ringer, his like whole, the trajectory of his career change when like he made Obama's five best books of the year book because it was a book about basketball and Obama happens to like basketball. But now that that's literally changed his career just because Obama stumbled on his book. You know, the answer to your question though, Annie, is that he did a Bing search. 
and found it. <laughs> That's exactly That's right. How found it. That's how I found the book. <laughs> Books I should be reading. And there it was. <laughs> it just knew. Yeah, and Kate Bowler was very savvy. She she didn't do like the Google SEO yeah, no. campaign. No, she didn't no, do no. Facebook all, all Bing. She put SEO. all the money Bing. in Bing. All the money all in Bing. She shoved it in the middle. <laughs> I'm going to do girl. $85 and get the literally the highest paid advertising <laughs> Bing has ever seen. <laughs> That's Bill Gates the most money anyone's ever paid for a Bing campaign. They can't, right. Bing couldn't even believe it. They just renamed the browser, the, the Kate, and you're going to... <laughs> it didn't matter what you searched for one week, all that would come up is Kate Bowler's new book on Bing. It didn't matter what you searched. Right. Teach all your results for that book. And it costs her 73 Three dollars to do it. Yeah, and beyond coupons, Kate Bullard's book. That's what came up every single time. Hey, in case you missed it, the Gregory brothers turned an infamous Star Wars line into a banger. The YouTube wizards who've been on this podcast years ago yeah, uh, took yeah. an infamously awkward line from Attack of the Clones and worked their songify magic. You may remember the revelation that Anakin Skywalker really hates sand. Oh, that's right. Now his discussion of it is the soundtrack to your week. Here's a clip. We used to lie out on the sand and let the sun dry. I don't like sand. I wish that I could just wish away my feelings. But I can't. I don't like sand. I don't like sand. Sand, sand. That is something I know I cannot do. It's coarse and rough and here everything is soft and smooth. I wish that I could just wish away my feelings. I wish. <laughs> it sounds so like weird. Chandler. That is so funny. <laughs> hey, whatever happened to the guy that played grown up Anakin? What I mean, was he is he still acting? Is he around? Is it Hay- is that Hayden Christensen? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that movie was so horribly. I, I'm surprised anyone in that movie has has you know survived it career wise. Natalie Portman obviously has, but yeah, Hayden but Christensen she was already he never recovered yeah. from it. Yeah, it was such a strange, bad movie. She very quickly did Garden State. So, like, thankfully, yeah, yeah. it was like, like figured, indie cred, indie cred. Figured it all out, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. kid that played Anakin, I don't think he's doing well at all. I think he had, like, a child stardom thing. Like, I think there's, like, mug shots of him somewhere. Oh. I don't, I really? Don't, I don't remember. I hope it's something too, like, vile and awful. Wasn't, wasn't he the uh, heads weigh eight pounds <laughs> Jerry Maguire kid? Yeah, they, you, I think they are the same kid. I don't think it's ever been proven. Man, he has the biggest, weirdest muscles. <laughs> he does. That kid is jacked now. The kid from Jerry Maguire yeah. is what? jacked, yet his face and head is kind of the That's same. That's why they're weird. I know. If, well, well, here's the thing. He, yeah, I don't know if you heard this. He had a really good career. He's got, had a solid career path change. He's now the head of sales at Bing. Uh, he just landed a big deal. He had a big commission recently. So good for him. That, that, I'm, I'm sorry, but as as Star Wars songifies go. That yeah. one isn't. I mean, that one's not nearly as much of an earworm as the bad leap, the bad no, no. lip reading guy. Mostly, yeah. what it is was just a reminder of that terrible dialogue. Yeah, yeah. like the song yeah. was fine, and yeah. they were very good. I find myself. I mean, uh, they did what they could with it. You know what I mean? They, they yes. didn't have a lot to work with. Right. I find myself right. singing "Seagull Stop It Now" on a regular yeah. basis. The uh, bad lip reading uh, yeah. Yoda. Oh yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> Chandler, can you play a clip of that? Yeah, sure. It is catchy. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just a great song. Oh, my gosh. Cameron's dancing along. 
And you really kind of have to see Yoda lip syncing this song. Yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. It's, it's, yeah, it is way better. You're right. It's so good. I mean, Cohen and I sing it in the car. It's so great. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. 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 We saw the new Star Wars or the solo movie, you know? And the whole time, like think? as we were leaving the theater, Cohen singing this song, Seagull, Stop It Now. What okay, do you wait, think have we solo? even talked about, yeah, talk about that. That's my first question. Uh, solo. I, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm seeing it tonight. See, that's Cohen, a review, Cohen. Eddie. That's a review right that's there. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> Perfect. Period. Cohen's Cohen's review. reviewing a Star Wars movie. Cohen's review a, was a, this. A book about just race in America. But my, eight, my eight-year-old's review as we were leaving the theater was, I really liked it. That was super cool. There was a lot of bad words, though. And Aww. that is a true assessment. It was Funny. surprising language for a Star Wars Surprisingly movie. cussy. I huh. thought that they didn't, they didn't have language. That's what Cohen, Cohen said that I think this might be the first Star Wars movie that has bad words. Did they, and I'm going, you know what? Now that I think about yeah, it. Can huh. I ask like on what scale were the bad words? PG-13 scale. You know, like uh, the, oh. the D's, the S's a little bit. Oh, wow, it's, really? it's, it's wow. surprising. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's wow. interesting. Yeah. It was surprising. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, because the movie itself it's just a fun adventure. Yeah. So I, maybe they wanted to make it more gritty or something. And they yeah, did it with language because there's not a, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say there's not violence. I mean, it's Star Wars violence, yeah. but, but I mean, I asked about that because Eve came up to me the other day and was like, uh, Junie B. Jones, who's a character in our book, uh-huh. said a bad word. And I'm like, really? And yeah. I looked at it and the word was hate. I'm like, okay, oh. I got it. It's six year, six year old bad word. Junie shouldn't have said hate, but I. Cohen's was, super sensitive to it. Like oh, there was yeah. a Mother's Day card. He was looking at Mother's Day cards, and when it said you're a a B A mom, you know, and he was like, Dad. Dad. He brought me the card. Like Dad, they have the A word in this I, card. I gotta get that oh. for mommy. <laughs> and then he told his mom. That's how, about that's the how card. I signed. Yeah. That's and how I sign all correspondence. Though <laughs> should I not be doing that? Yeah. <laughs> all your professional emails. Yeah. Everybody, that was a BA interview. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you, Andy Stanley. You are a BA pastor. <laughs> Have any of y'all seen the Avengers movie? No, I'm not into no. the No, I mean, I will. Okay, I just, I'm not either, Cameron, but thanks to Movie Pass, I was like, I'll go see it with my friends. And it was great. But luckily, we also have our friend Tyler Huckabee as a resource who Aaron. knows everything yeah. about yeah. superheroes. It made me like it even more, but I liked it for, for not being a superhero fan. It was still a really excellent movie. Oh, there you well, go. Well, that, that's also a review. That's a nice review. That's a review. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So easy to do for a comic book movie. <laughs> Not a problem for just white people to review comic books. That is our wheelhouse. That's what we should be reviewing in a pithy hey, way. Hey, Eddie, let me help you out. Moving, powerful, challenging. <laughs> Life-changing. <laughs> uh, how, how problematic are those adjectives to, to review a book? <laughs> it was challenging and life-changing. Yeah. We yeah. give it the gravitas you're looking for. Is it because you're not finished? Maybe it's because you're not finished and you don't know how it yeah. ends. Yeah, what if the end, it really just falls uh, off at the how end? How it ends? Yeah. It's like, oh boy, who, who wrote that last chapter? Jeez. <laughs> no, Man, no, that I... happened to me. Well, you can't tell that story. Okay. What? <laughs> I was asked to write an endorsement for a book one time. I read everything but the last two chapters. I wrote the endorsement. It was printed in the book. When the book came out, it got major backlash for the last two chapters. Oh, no and way. Two, three of us that had endorsed it got some major backlash for endorsing it. And we did all were texting each other like... the other people not read the last two? Crap, did you not read the very last part? I didn't either. So I've oh, never God. done an endorsement where I didn't read the whole book ever again. I always wonder about those endorsements. Like, you know, because you're sent the the whatever early galley galley yeah. of it. Yeah. I wonder, you know, if everybody that writes those like three sentence, like 
things that go on the book? Do they all read every word of the book? Ha- like, half I of those are, they would. are about the author. Like yeah. I'm, I'm a famous person. So yeah. I'm saying that this person's important and their ministry and their work is amazing. You'll love this book. You know I, mean, I mean, that's literally how you can tell whether they read the book, or, read not. The book or not. Here's insider yeah. baseball. If the endorsement talks about the person, they didn't read the book. That's right. Yeah. Right. I've never written endorsement. I've been asked hundreds of times. And you I've really never written one. You really couldn't journalistically. It's, that's why yeah. Yeah. I always say now, there are a few books I wish I, I could, yeah. but I, it's precedent setting. And if I can't say yes to a couple of, I, I just say no to all of them. Yeah. That's a lot easier. Yeah. Though I will say Relevant landed a really great book endorsement back in the Relevant Books days when um, Jason Boyette wrote Pocket Guide to the Apocalypse. Somehow Jerry Jenkins, who is the co-author of the Left Behind series, and the book was kind of a... You know, a fun spoof. but kind of irreverent look at the apocalypse. He he agreed to write the endorsement. I remember I I, I helped out with book marketing at the time, uh, and the we got the endorsement back. And we're like, sweet, Jerry <laughs> Jenkins from Left Behind wrote the endorsement, and the endorsement was one sentence: "This guy is definitely getting left behind." And we put it on the cover. <laughs> we're like, okay, uh, we're using it. We're using it. <laughs> Jerry Jenkins, that is amazing. Jerry That's Jenkins incredible. is one of the funniest people. I okay, I, I was at a Christian industry event 10 years ago hadn't met him maybe he's longer than that and his son and he play poker a lot and he i was like i'm in and so we we had this pretty great poker game at his hotel room mm-hmm. and i was shocked because first time meeting him he is the funniest guy and tells the most off-color jokes oh and you would not you would not expect that from jerry b jenkins is he still alive or was it the other no yeah he's still Tim alive. Died. Tim LaHaye. that's right okay. his co-author oh, so yeah. i'm in his hotel room we're, 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 we're you know a suite and we're playing poker okay we're halfway through and the door knock, the door knock at the door. Oh, and Nikolai Carpathia. And uh, it's it's Stephen, um, uh, it's Stephen Baldwin. Baldwin. So, St- yeah. so oh, Stephen, so Stephen Baldwin what? comes in. Stephen Baldwin doesn't want to play poker. He doesn't have any. That's sinful, right? No, yeah. So what he For does? Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So oh, yeah. Stephen Baldwin shows up to the Cameron. suite. And, Stephen Baldwin's very Christian, and and he, yeah, yeah, he wasn't gonna play poker with us, but he just didn't have anything else to do, so he hung out. So he goes and gets, he goes and sits on Jerry's bed, and just kind of is waiting. We're playing whatever, and he gets bored, so he crawls up and gets under the covers of the bed and <laughs> just just kind of no. stayed there. And so we're playing poker, and then ten feet over there in the bed is Stephen Baldwin. That is and Jerry Jenkins is telling blue color jokes and I'm going, what is my life right now? That is the weirdest story I've <laughs> literally ever heard you tell. Oh, I have Even a lot of stories of Christian, Christian celebrities like that. Stephen Baldwin got under the covers? Under the covers in Jerry Jenkins' sweet bed, yeah. With his, did he take his shoes off? I, I, I don't recall that They're detail. Really, it's, <laughs> I, it is a minutia question, but a really good important. one. Yeah. It is. I think, I, remember, no, but, no, I think he did because I remember Cameron I remember when this happened and you came back and told us about it. And if I'm correct, Stephen Baldwin had a skateboard with him, even though yeah, he's yeah, yeah. at this point a man in his 40s. That's right. And and crawl and, and brought the skateboard under the covers with him. If That's I'm right. so <gasps> I'm assuming what? he had the shoes on. Yeah. So <laughs> this wow. was the same this was the same Christian event or industry conference. I think it was 2005 or so, maybe four, and we were in the height of relevant books. We had a big booth at this trade show. And uh, Dallas Jenkins, the filmmaker son of Jerry, was doing a project with Stephen Baldwin. And so they came by. They were walking the floor. I think he was doing a signing. He came by our booth and Dallas introduced me to him. And Stephen Baldwin was at the time doing a big skateboarding 
Youth magazine. Like this was yeah. a big, a big Sick. thing. Okay, we have got to get a hold of that. <laughs> no, this is true. This okay, is so, so, really then, on, was, yeah. so Dallas comes by. It was and fat. It, it was that magazine was fat. Stop it. And so and I, I'll never forget this. And this is the early embryonic stages of of relevant. We were really trying. It was like we kind of on this industry event spent a lot of money, pushed all of our chips in. Like this is a make or break summer for us. And they come up, and and we're really proud of our lineup and our what we're launching. And you know we worked really hard. And Stephen Baldwin looks at it and he goes, or Dallas goes, "Hey, what? Uh, tell me about like tell him about relevant." So I told him about the magazine we were just launching, and and he's like, "And what's your circulation?" And he goes, "I said about seventy five thousand. And Stephen Baldwin to my face goes. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a million circulation of our skateboard magazine or whatever <gasps> it was called, you know. I think it fairness it was From a much better tell, magazine. It's called Focus. I think it used magazine. to be called Live in It. I, oh, I, 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 it I was living yeah, it. Okay. That's right. And he looked at me and he goes, We're of gonna have a that's million. In your brain. And I'm like, Okay. Well, congratulations. You're a movie star. I don't have that kind of money. I mean, like, what are you trying to prove? And well, then I, it was super awkward. And then they left. And then the next time I see him, he's laying in Jerry's bed. It was just a yeah. very strange day. I feel like I used to be into skateboarding and I'm pretty sure my dad gave me this. It's a oh, video called oh, Living It. And oh, it's yes, by did. Stephen Baldwin. I'm, yeah. I'm looking at the cover and I'm pretty sure I got this when I was like 14. You sure did. Oh, yeah. I, I, mean, I, 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 I remember being fact. on the music festival circuit at the time and Stephen Baldwin would do these talks. And I remember going like, uh, I just want, I was just out of curiosity. And he was wearing like a really kind of dorky leather jacket and a fedora and he rode onto the stage in a skateboard and lost all, the fedora lost oh, like, all credibility <laughs> for me. My only like other he memory rode from, on the stage on the skateboard on the skate. He's he in his forties. Yeah, yeah. And, and oh, the camera, my my other memory from that is that same year at that at that large trade show. I think that's where this transpired. I remember I met you guys there, but I had been on the road for for like a long time at that point, like promoting relevant was it at various Denver? events. I think it was Denver. Was it Denver? Yeah, it was in Denver. It was in Denver. Yeah, and I had, at the time, reasonably long hair and a pretty heavy beard. And <gasps> we had Did a funny you? idea. You just have yeah. long hair, Jesse? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, uh, early 2000s, Jesse had the shaggy, you know, uh, chin length hair. Jim from the office. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so we had a funny idea because it was like, hey, you kind of have the Jesus look go around. Why don't we pretend you're Jesus at the trade show? and We'll shoot a funny video. So I remember it was like, OK, I'm going to go find the funniest <laughs> book I can and pretend to be reading it as Jesus. And someone film me as I'm making like funny facial expressions. And I picked up T.D. Jakes's He Motions was the name of the book. It was called He Motions. And I pretended to be Jesus reading emotions while someone from a distance like filmed me and then I remember a sales rep came up to me and tried to get me to buy boxes of emotions and it just got really <laughs> awkward and I couldn't I couldn't go through with it I just couldn't <laughs> Got weird. Yeah, I, th- I think th- I think we, the next year was our last Christian industry trade show. After that, yeah. it was like I yeah, sometimes this cannot believe the stuff you guys used to do. Yeah. Like the idea of you guys going to a Christian trade show—it's yeah. the only now? way to get your books out at that I, time. I realize it's just like a different. I mean, you world. know, they still exist. Yeah, still very, happen. very, very small versions of them. Yeah, I go to yes. them and I just write endorsements for anything. I don't care who it <laughs> no, is. Don't read a word it, of it. But his endorsements mm. are four page long summaries of the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He reads the jacket and just restates it. Yeah. Yeah. This is a book about, and then in quotes, I do that. Eddie but Koffeld. no opinions. I agree with every single word of this book. Eddie Koffeld's this, stuff is. Yeah. This is a I factual jam assessment of the contents. Yeah. Yeah. I jam and relevant stand behind this book fully. Eddie Koffeld. All right. Hey, in case you missed it, this week, Carl Lentz, our, uh, our friend, uh, pastor of Hillsong, New York, 
um, weighed in on the debate about the NFL's attempt to curb protests. So as you know, this week, the NFL released an announcement saying in part that a club will be fined by the league if its personnel are on the field and do not stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem, meaning that teams could pass fines on the players who kneel during the anthem to protest racial injustice. Well, Hillsong, New York pastor Carl Lentz was among the voices speaking out about the policy in a series of tweets. He wrote, the NFL has to be in the running for the most tone deaf, unaware organization in business. These guys are still talking about players protesting the anthem still, even though they are protesting racial inequality and want justice reform, at least get that right while being wrong. The NFL, and then he said, the NFL doesn't want players kneeling during the anthem to protest police brutality and racial inequality in the justice system because most of its huge white fan base absolutely hates it. That's that's all this is. They are doing what businesses tend to do, cater to the money. He kept going. Why it's so infuriating to many is that they keep trying to pretend that this is about patriotism. If they would just say, hey guys, stand or we will fire you because you're upsetting some of our fans, at least it can just be what it is. But that would create too many problems. He also referenced another video of police brutality that was released last week, the, the unjust tasing of Milwaukee Bucks player Sterling Brown, saying, keep in mind, a video was just released today, same day as the NFL's policy that is appalling, unjust, awful, about the exact thing players wanted to see and hear and care about. The NFL? Let's make a stand for our anthem. Let's protect our national song. Right. Got it. The policy was instantly controversial. The CEO of the New York Jets released a statement saying, if anybody on the Jets takes a knee, that fine will be borne by the organization, by me, not the players. There are some big, complicated issues that we're all struggling with, and our players are on the front lines. There will be no club fines or suspensions or any sort of repercussions. Everybody go buy a New York Jets hat. Nice. Yeah. New York Jets. Because yeah. that, that would literally, as a New York, as a long-suffering <laughs> New York Jets fan, that is the only reason to buy a New York Jets hat. <laughs> I can assure you. It, it is really nothing a cool has happened oh, for man. the Jets other than since that season of Hard Knocks, like eight years ago, when everybody loved. Man, Rex I love Ryan. Hard Knocks. <laughs> I, I freaking love that show. It is really a difficult time to care about the NFL. Like I, I was watching, like between this and the. Um, Oh, what was it? Real sports. They were talking about all the like uh, the the NFL basically hasn't paid out at all with any of the you know ex players that have indus- like injuries and stuff. Yeah. And it's just like they're sweeping be- all the concussion it, stuff under the yeah, rug. Yeah, it's becoming a yeah a little bit of an ethical issue to actually Roof. In, yeah. enjoy this, which is hard because we have like friends that are in the NFL and it's yeah. fun to watch. And but it is it's we do we have actually yeah. a co-host of relevant sports podcasts yeah. is in yeah. the NFL but, but actively. I mean, yeah, I mean, not to like speak for Sam, but I think he's, you know, aware of a lot of these issues because but the thing is, like, it's a lot of the players that are trying to, um, y- you know, make changes and make improvements, right. both on the side of uh, the making the league more known for its socially conscious stands against injustice and also making the game safer for kids and players. It's really the owners who are you know, most of the owners are not all of them. I mean, we had, you know, uh, the chairman of the bears, George McCaskey, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, the acting owner of the bears, he want, he's one of the guys, one of the good guys, but you know, there are some owners that are very vocal that are on the other side. And I feel like it casts the whole league in a negative light, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I last year, uh, honestly, I, I'm just not generally a fan. I don't watch sports, watch sports. I watch my teams. I don't really have yeah. an NFL team. So I, I, yeah. I, I rarely watch the NFL anyway. Uh, but last year, consciously, I didn't watch a game. 
Yeah, it's, it's just really? like it, yeah. I'm just too aware of like how corrupt of a league it is becoming i mean it's just like and the stands they're taking are the wrong ones i'll tell you i grew up loving it and i love the atlanta falcons and one of my very closest friends here in nashville played for the tennessee titans and has als and there's you know i'm not making a tie that but i will tell you um it has changed how i enjoy the game to watch my friends suffer so greatly from a disease i mean that i mean it is it is really brutal. painful. Is it's really brutal. brutal. And it yeah. has changed how I look at a sport where I go, I, I'm just not sure it's worth these guys' lives. Right. <laughs> and yeah. then the, na- just and now the national anthem is. thing, not now the national anthem thing, but like the doubling down uh, on it, the concussion stuff was coming out. Like there was a conscious cover up and, a, yeah, a, you know, right. negligence on the league, like right. intentionally. Right. And now the national anthem stuff on top of that negative, it's just yeah. like, Wrong, wrong. It is uh, infuriating. Wrong stand to take right now, guys. Yeah. But, but it, there's so much money, y'all. That's the thing, right? Across the nation, people are pouring so much money into the NFL that the NFL does not have to change. Yeah. Right. Right. They yeah. don't have to change. They should. Y'all are getting me all wrought up. They no, should but change. But this is- they don't have to because the majority of America is just going to keep buying tickets and buying jerseys and watching on TV because we'd rather be entertained than than actually change something that takes away something fun, even if it costs people massively and it does. Yeah. Right but 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 I think I think in, in fairness, there's got to be a way too where you can support the you, you know for. I think I think I mean this is a whole can of worms that there's lots of opinions on, but like at the professional it, level, at the professional level, I think it's one thing in it, to point to college and to point to children playing a version of the game that is unsafe. There are safe versions of the game, right? Like you can play flag football, you can change the rules, but for professionals who have made the choice to play and have decided to use that platform to try to make positive change in the country. There's a way to support those individuals and, right. and the institution that has given that platform to, because out of all of the major sports, I, they're the ones who enter, put themselves right in the middle of a national conversation that need to be had. And so to take away their platform, I don't know if that's the right thing, but there's certainly ways to view how you support the, the, the whole institution in a I more agree. ethical way. You know? I love the Falcons. I have, I purchased, my parents purchased me for Christmas chairs from the Georgia Dome before it was torn down that are on my porch. Like I am yeah. a Falcons fan. I am in, I just want it to be safe. And I don't feel like, and, and I, yeah, I just feel like it, it feels like too big of a ship to turn. Yeah, well, I mean, the the irony is this isn't the first time this discussion has been had. I mean, Theodore Roosevelt made playing football illegal. It was against the law one, at one point in this country to play tackle football because too many college kids were dying. And what they did is they changed the rules. They changed the size of the field. They, you know, the reason we have why part of the reason we have passing and part of the reason that first downs are now 10 yards instead of shorter distances is because the president stepped in and said the game is too dangerous. It has to change. This is a conversation that's had that's been had at a different point in U.S. history and it might be time to revisit it. But this isn't... Uh, I guess my point is like, this isn't a new conversation and there are ways to improve the game because it's been done in the past. Well, and back to the original issue is the original point of this, in case you missed it, it's just that like the, the concussion issue and the, the harm to the players issue. I feel like it's, it's fluid and they're lear- like everybody's learning and there's, there's some complexity to it, but the not to ban kneeling f- just feels 
unconscionable. Like I can't believe that they made as a rule that players could not peacefully protest. Right. I mean, I mean, how is that? How is that? But the NBA did it. But the NBA did the exact same thing. It's just that, uh, you know, it's it's yeah, like they and the players' association agreed. Like the the, but they said they that they would allow for you know their players to be vocal on social and political issues. But they said, um, you know, that they they have a rule that players can't do that too. So I'm not saying that you know makes me think one way or the other about it. I think players should, if they feel like that's you know that that. That that's what they should do. I don't feel like anyone should have any objection to it, but I do feel like there are different standards across different leagues. Uh, and partly it's just that the NFL, you know, the, the like the NF, the, the difference is the NBA got with the players and said, is this okay? It, you know, it can you, if we do this where it's now in the NFL, it's owners versus players and owners yeah. seem to have this mentality. Like one of the owners said that this is, you know, he literally used the phrase, we don't want to let the inmates run the prison. The, the <gasps> mentality that the NFL, so goes in. Yeah, that's yeah, the mentality that the NFL takes with its approach to the players association and the owners is one that is extreme is the most problematic part it is I feel like is at the root of what's going on here. Like Carl said, it's about for a lot of the owners it's not about politics, it's about money and they don't want to hurt their bottom line where the players want to use their pro- platform to advocate change. And right. the NFL that's has right. botched Man, an opportunity to do something positive at every turn. And this is just the latest example of it. You should host a sports now podcast. Eddie's not the only salty one on the show. <laughs> Join in the ranks. This issue Eddie. gets me fired up. This issue gets me All fired up. All three of us. Cameron, you're the only one that's still not salty. Get on board. I'm, I'm not salty. I just, I voted with my dollars and I didn't watch one game last year. What are you doing about it? Well, like I said, but that, that, but, that, but that's why it's complicated, right? Because like some of these players, for a lot of the players that are on the front lines of this change, this is, this is their livelihood, you know, and this is their platform. It, and that's what yeah. makes it so complicated. Yeah, but it, it's not going to affect the contracts. It's it's going to affect the profit of the league and the and the teams. If, if, if fans start turning their back to it and saying, we're not okay with this, yeah. and we're not going to engage your product. They're still going to sign player contracts. So the salary cap's not going to bottom out in one year, but like you feel a pinch on the bottom line. And the, the I think the legal, I think, you know, right. money makes the world go round. Vote with your dollars. Like, don't tune in. Don't buy the gear. And then, and, and be vocal about why you're not supporting it. And I guarantee you that will make more change than just tweeting or whatever. But like, like, don't engage the product. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I I think it's going to happen at some point. Yeah. Yeah, It's both. I think the reckoning of the NFL is going to be when there's a huge story in the news about. Pepsi pulls out of Super Bowl advertising because they don't want to be associated well, with. I mean, look what the kids, the Parkland kids did with the, in a, they started to call out the supporters of the NRA. They called the, they called out the Laura Ingram show. They started to call out the, the sponsors right. and they made it not okay to put your money behind right. this sort of propaganda. And guess what? <laughs> they, I'm just, just trying to sell products here. I don't want to turn off uh, consumers. And so I will pull out of controversial areas. And if Pe- Pepsi will pull out of the NFL, if oh, yeah. there's I mean, enough of a backlash saying we will not buy Pepsi because mm-hmm. you'd support they this. They just don't want to be associated with it. I mean, that's how like right. uh, Bill O'Reilly, that's how he eventually. And say, it, I'm not making a statement on Bill O'Reilly, though. I'm more than happy to but like that is why ultimately <laughs> give us a summary yeah, that's ultimately why he's not on fox is because just advertisers 
just money. started pulling out. Right. And so it's like in this, is, if it's run by capitalism, it can be solved by capitalism. I yeah, it's, it, it, it already it already happened with like Papa John's. Papa John's was you oh, know, yeah. the, the pizza sponsor of the NFL or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, people weren't comfortable with Papa John's kind of wading into the political com- uh, conversation in the way that they did. And it, it damaged their brand in a lot of ways. And that's why they're, you know, no longer the pizza sponsor. Or, and Peyton Manning is selling his Papa John's franchises, you know. Prayers up for Peyton Manning. Ben. <laughs> I hope he does yeah, okay. I hope he makes it. No, no, I'm not saying, I'm not saying he's, I'm just saying like, he he's like, yeah, it's not worth it. Why, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. We know. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm with you. Hey, That's uh, fascinating. L- lastly, in case you missed it, Amazon's Alexa can now bless your food and help you find a church. And the Church of England recently launched a new program for Alexa that allows users to ask the digital assistant to read a daily prayer, quote scriptures like the Ten Commandments, and even bless their meal. They explained that the new skill enables millions of users to ask the Church of England for prayers, explanations of the Christian faith, and location-based information about local church events and services. You can activate the program by saying, Alexa, open the Church of England. They plan on creating a version of the program for Google Play next. You know what I like is that probably because you just said it. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere, somebody listening in England <laughs> just, just <laughs> the, had their Alexa the worst, pinged. The worst thing that I love SNL. Yeah. But like yeah. right after the musical performance, yeah. um, I have a home pod. And right after the musical performance, the the guy, the host guy comes on or the whatever, yeah. the yeah. Uh, when it's going to commercial. And then he goes, you know, Casey Musgraves just played. Uh, and he goes, Hey Siri, play Casey Musgraves yeah. as they go to commercial. And sure enough, Casey Musgraves <laughs> starts playing on my speaker. Weird, isn't it? I hate that. Do all TVs of y'all have Alexa or HomePod things? Do all three of y'all ha- or four of y'all Chandler? Yeah. I have a HomePod. I don't, I don't yeah. trust them. I don't trust them. I don't, I don't either, it. Jesse. I don't trust them. They're listening to you all the time. Yeah. I don't want that and in plus, my house. I, what are the theological implications if I'm sitting around my dinner table with my family and I'm like, okay, guys, time to bless the food. And we all hold hand. I'm like, Alexa, please bless our food. Does that count as a prayer? Like, <laughs> if like you're in did agreement, God hear that if it's a robot? Yeah, if you're in agreement, Does if God your spirit is agreeing with the words, robot. You I don't know. I, I'm just saying it's an interesting yeah, theological kind of thought answer for that, which I'm not really sure you've thought through. Hand Hold on, think about it. Hold on. If I'm pray. at church and the pastor is praying over the congregation, a human, a human with a soul. It, well, I mean, somebody wrote the prayer. A human wrote the prayer. Alexa's just a reciting human it. With a soul. Wait, 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 wait. wait. What is the difference between hearing the 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 sermon right. that was recorded on Thursday and you're all praying on Sunday in front of a TV. It's all just yeah. zeros just and ones saying it. words. Yeah. And Alexa is just reciting what a human wrote and just put into the Alexa. Yeah, it's one medium. thing if Alexa's AI thought of a way to engage God, but it's not. It's just, she's just reading a thing that a somebody else prayer. wrote. Yeah. yeah. What's the difference? That is. A, I'm not out on it. I'm just I'm saying not, I'm not had, everybody came in hot with real opinions without really thinking it through. I'm, yeah, I'm just Maybe my brain offered. thinks things through really quickly. I've got that oh, is get God out of here. That is gotta <laughs> be the next time we get to chat with Science Mike. Yeah. The question is: Can robots pray, or will they ever be able to pray? Well, like, okay, so it's, just okay, okay, theoretically, it's not that far removed, pray. right? Like, hey, I, if you do Alexa's Alexa's prayers count. No, well, Alexa, Alexa isn't robot. praying. Alexa is playing a written piece of data or content that was programmed but into could the Could you app. have a robot worship leader? And would you be able to like, because I mean, you know, they just get up there and play their little songs well, and yeah, then as say as their things. Not thinking that 
the robots worshiping, but you are singing along with the robot and you are worshiping. Dude. Like listening to any recording. It's like the Dude, same thing. This is weird. Is it just like listening to any recording yeah. though? I don't know. Maybe because it's not that far away from saying, Alexa, I want prayer for this, this and that and pray for my uncle for no, this. Yeah, and yeah. It can it's use a- an algorithm to choose like different parts of prayers and piece okay. together its own prayer using the artificial impression. Alexa, pray okay. for me is different than Alexa saying a prayer that you are listening to in an agreement with, and you are essentially praying yourself. You know what I mean? But Alexa, pray for me. No, I don't know. That's, I mean, Alexa can't pray for you and like bless you or whatever. But if you, if Alexa is just saying words that then your spirit can connect with and you are praying through those words, then what's the difference? We're saying God, God could not internalize or hear an AI generated offering no there's no soul alexa doesn't have a soul <laughs> man we're really getting into it hmm. yeah i'm that's 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 where i am, am, am struggling with it too i mean god can i'm not questioning god's ability to hear i'm actually not bringing god into this at all i'm purely saying can an alexa say a prayer i don't even, I don't even pray to god we're talking about praying to god i thought we we're talking about praying to alexa I am totally <laughs> lost there. Yeah. Alexa, please don't take that over society. So please don't kill me, Alexa. Oh, God. Please don't kill me in my sleep, Alexa. We got you. All right. Well, that'll do it for in case you missed it. Stay tuned. Up next, Austin Channing Brown joins us. Finally home. Finally home on our own. Finally home. Time I'm with you, I feel a feeling I can't even no, 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 no. Anytime I'm with you, I know I never gotta be alone, no, 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 no. Look me in the eyes, I don't want no lies. I just wanna know, is you really mine? I don't want no games, I just wanna lay with you by my side. You're listening to What Up RG. The song is Yellow Paint. This new one from uh, Reach. It's good. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Churches with their new one, Graffiti. Austin Channing Brown is a writer, speaker, and an activist who is a leading voice for racial justice and racial reconciliation in the church. In her new book, I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in the Age of Whiteness, uh, she discusses how oftentimes words about racial justice don't match up with the actions in many churches and explains paths to correct the way many Christians approach racial equality. We recently spoke with uh, Austin about the book and why all Christians should be advocates for justice. What's a quick uh, summary or your thoughts on the book, Eddie? A book. <laughs> What'd you good. say? Just a book. I mean, a book? Wonderful book. Lovely. Oh, oh, there you go. There wonderful you book. Go. Lovely. You That's you. what we were looking for. It's a, I, I, was just, I was just looking for a way to minimize a beautiful piece of art into one or two words. And I think I did it. A book. You could have said a beautiful piece of art. Yeah. That would have done that it. That would have been yeah. too long for Jesse. He really liked one or two words. <laughs> Again, for some That's reason, adding an adjective to describe something is minimizing it. I would. I don't want to call this book wonderful. I don't want to, you know, it's like, oh, it's life just, changing. Yeah, you're modified. Yeah, either way. Here's our conversation with Austin Channing Brown. general can you talk to me about the chapter names and kind of the bold decision like 
the very first chapter is called White People Are Exhausting. Like, you didn't pull any punches. Talk to me about that decision. Yeah, so that chapter title comes from the first line. Um, And through the whole book, I really wanted to be as honest as I could Mm-hmm. about what it's like to be a black woman who is navigating dominant culture on a regular basis. And I thought that it has to be truthful from the very first sentence. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I wanted to start with that story of being a little girl and that exhaustion was the gateway to me really understanding race. Um, so I was aware of racial difference previous to that moment um, in the library. Um, So, like, I knew that my hair was different from all the other white girls in the class. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like, I I knew that there were differences even in in culture, like, in how um, white parents were raising their kids versus how I was being raised. I knew there was differences in food. You know, you do that first slumber party, and you're like, oh, this is not... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is not what's happening in my house. Um, right? So I, was, so I was aware of racial difference, but I didn't know what those differences meant to the larger world. And it wasn't until I was just really fed up that I asked my mom, how, oh, why on earth did you give me this <laughs> confusing name, right? This name that confuses everybody. And, and to realize it wasn't just about gender, but it was also about race. Um, and to realize that that really is a through line <laughs> mm-hmm. through my life. Um, the exhaustion that I feel trying to teach white people, the exhaustion I feel trying to avoid teaching white people, mm-hmm. the exhaustion of the trolls and the hate mail, the exhaustion of the one-upmanship of white people who think they know more about race than, than I do by calling me a reverse racist or you know <laughs> yeah you know what i mean and and the inherent work of trying to figure out what it means to be myself in an institution that doesn't recognize that it's white can you say more about that part yeah so i've worked at a lot of um churches and ministries um and all of them would say that they're Christian, but I don't think all of them would realize that they're also white, mm-hmm. that the leadership is white, um, that the songs they sing are white Christian contemporary songs, um, that the board members are white, that the majority of staff teams are white, and that whiteness um, is uplifted. Um, as the way to be. So in some instances, there's a desire for people of color to be present, but not a desire for people of color to change the culture mm-hmm. of the organization. And and bumping up against that wall, realizing that, um, let's take an easy one, that um, worship, that there's no interest in adding gospel music, that there's no interest in singing in Spanish or Mandarin, that there is no right or that right. if there is it is um, on MLK Day 
or during Hispanic Heritage Month. Mm-hmm. Or right, but that there's no desire for integration. There's no desire for the worship, um, for lack of a better word, to evolve, um, to include multiple voices. Right, that's that's bumping up against a culture that doesn't realize it is white, but is right. Um, and so, so that's what I mean. Um, to be a black woman who is constantly bumping up against that wall. And I don't know, maybe it's not fair to say that they don't know they're white. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's too generous. I don't know. Um, but certainly um, there are very few organizations that would be outright in saying that we recognize this is a culture that we have built. We like it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you could just come like hang out and diversify us in numbers, that would be great. Did you feel any pushback or any subconscious need to make the book palatable for like all the white people you know all the ones who would oh, yeah, yeah. have feelings <laughs> so many feelings yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually no I was very particular about who my publisher would be and during the um, process of choosing a publisher I had multiple interviews where sort of they got to ask me more questions about my book proposal and then I got to ask them questions mm-hmm. um and that process um, was very helpful for me to determine who really understood what I was trying to do and who just wanted a part of what I was trying to do, but ultimately wanted me to tone it down mm-hmm. <laughs> and become as universal as possible. Right. And I was um, pretty clear that this was going to be a book that was not going to be universal. It wasn't going to be for everybody. Um, that my audience is very particular in that it's for folks who are already passionate about racial justice, who just have questions or who have a hard time seeing what it looks like on a daily basis, right? Seeing it beyond the KKK members, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make a book that clarified um, what white supremacy looks like in regular daily life, and particularly for Black women. I feel like there were a lot of books um, that exist where Black men talk about and what it's like to experience race in America, and I think that's important. Um, but I really wanted to do one that's really centered the experiences of Black women mm-hmm. um, and other women of color. Can you talk to me more about like how we can make a better distinction, have a better kind of working definition between reconciliation and then diversity or even inclusion? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to cheat on this and I'm going to say that every single I am, I'm totally going to cheat and say that every single person who still wants to use this phrase reconciliation needs to read Radical Reconciliation, the book. Mm-hmm. Because... I think I think we cheat ourselves, number one, by not really diving into what we mean when we say reconciliation. Yeah. I um, mean, the fact that we make those terms interchangeable with diversity and inclusion and a million other words is deeply problematic. Um, and so we have to know what we're talking about. Right. <laughs> because those words are not interchangeable. I tell you, there's a lot of people who won't even use the word reconciliation anymore because it has been so watered down and so overused and underdone. So there is a line 
Um, it might be in the very last paragraph. You write, how dare I consider surrender simply because I want the warmth of the sun. This warmth has not been promised to me. My faith does not require it. Yeah. I had a lot of feelings about that. Can you talk to me about just those three sentences? And I feel like my first inclination is, haven't we been promised it? You know what I mean? Sort of. (laughs) right so again I want to anchor this whole chapter in like our daily lived experience Mm -hmm. so I think about like um like Ida B. Wells who worked really really hard to get Congress to pack an anti-lynching law and it never happened she she risked her whole life um she had to move she had to yeah, just like pick up everything and run because she was being targeted because of her journalism and what she was writing and how she was exposing um, what was really happening. And she never got what she set out to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's never mm-hmm. been an anti-lynching law that Congress has passed that I'm aware of. But her work still mattered. You know, I think that there are moments in history. I think we got one. I think Barack Obama becoming president. (laughs) I think we got the serious one. But I don't think that discounts the days when Martin Luther King Jr. or Malcolm X was assassinated or, you know, the bills that didn't get passed or the times that the officer (laughs) got paid leave. Right? Like, again, all the ways that our hope fails us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and so, because the officer got off this time, does that mean I stop hoping? Does that mean I stop waiting? Does that mean I, right? Like, well, no. Right. <laughs> you know, and that's really what I mean. I don't mean that, again, like that all things won't be made right eventually. But mm-hmm. what if I never get to see it? Right? What if, what if I don't get to see it? What if I don't get to see what I hope for? Does that mean that everything I worked for is wrong? Does that mean I should stop working? So I only work if I get to see the result that I want to see, the result that I hope for. Mm-hmm. No, no. It's still my responsibility to do what I can do here and now. And that's really what I mean. But yes, I absolutely do believe that one day all things will be made right. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if that will happen in my lifetime or if that will happen a hundred years after I'm already gone. That was Austin Channing Brown. Stay tuned. Up next, your feedback. Listening to Leatherette. The song is Shell Suit Attack. It's time for your feedback. Okay, last week uh, on the question of the week on Wednesday's show, the, if you're still catching like wins the different stuff on the Wednesday episode of the podcast, we do the editorial question of the week. On the Friday edition of the podcast, we do our listener of the week. So on last week's uh, Wednesday episode, we asked you what is the funniest thing you've ever witnessed at a wedding. We got talking about the royal wedding, 
And it got us thinking about weddings and the funny hats at the royal wedding got us thinking about maybe the funniest thing you've ever seen at a wedding. You guys hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. You also posted your longer stories on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Here's a few of our favorites. Jeremiah Dowling uh, had my least favorite one, and I'm not dogging on Jeremiah, yeah. but at our wedding, I guess I, I guess I am, sorry. Uh, at our wedding for the toast, instead of champagne, we gave everyone little small slices of toast and didn't tell them what it was for until the speech. Oh, Every no. wedding deserves a good pun. I know, but also we really like the champagne. Oh but, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> Everybody had to hold up pieces of bread. Plus, I, I think they knew when they saw the toast. They're like, oh, there's a toast. Ah, like, oh, it's a toast. Well, toast. Either it. way, yeah. Jeremiah, I hope you but, got a good When you sit down at a plate, the, the little piece of bread, you're eating early in the dinner. Yeah, you're thinking Who's holding on to the toast to the yeah, end no, like no, it's no. dessert? They probably passed out toast oh. like you passed out champagne at the yeah, end. Gotcha. Pro- that would be my guess. Yes, I think that's right. Like, yeah, yeah and everybody's been sitting there not able to go to the bar for the last half hour because, you know, you're in the middle of <laughs> Listen, dinner. Listen, if they're doing a toast with actual toast, there yeah, was no bar. Wedding. Trust yeah, me. Sure. There's it's no open bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a Baptist wedding for sure. Cheer wine. They have They have lemonade. They have lemonade. They do. It's a chick catered wedding okay so dylan said uh uh that him and his wife had a really fun idea that uh they would give everyone water balloons and they would let them throw the water balloons at them as they exited the wedding they would run as fast as they could through the splash zone gauntlet of water balloons but then jump into the other guests Oh, okay. And then jump into a pool and swim away. I'm having trouble picturing the property this wedding was held on. But anyway, that was the plan. They said it was all fun and games until they realized how difficult it is to swim in a tuxedo and a wedding dress. Uh, It sounds like someone had to save the wife because, uh, you know, a wedding dress isn't made for swimming. It reminds me of a viral video I saw one time of like a husband and wife like married, they got married on a boat and they decided to jump off. And she like sank, like the dress just engulfed her. And people had to go save her. <laughs> Going swimming in a wedding dress is a terrible idea. It's it's terrible a it's idea. a giant trap. It it's it's it, it is like one of the you know in the cartoons where they like throw literally that, a wedding dress in a lake is a trap. It yeah. is trapping you. It's like when they They're throw one of those nets on people in like the old cartoons and it just it just sits on their head like they they can't get out. That's literally what this is in reverse, except you're sinking in water. It's horrifying. And my thing is like if they're doing a, a, a run, they're running through like the gauntlet. The, I mean, most of those balloons are missing the couple and hitting yeah. the person on the other side. Yeah. yeah you didn't yeah. sign up right. to go to this wedding to get drenched. No, it's a whole to do. It's a whole thing. I would be so tempted, like, if, like, you know, they got married by some, like, old priest or something who's, like, waiting, who's, like, doesn't want to be a part of the shenanigans and he's, like, standing off, you know, a, a few hundred yards away. I would just try to bomb one at him right there and be like, <laughs> oh, sorry, man. That one really got away from me. I'm shaming for the wife and I nailed you, the old, the old curmudgeonly priest. I don't know why he's in this wedding. I'm sure he wouldn't do it, but anyway. Okay, this one on Twitter from Jimmy Barrow is that he said he was at a wedding just two days ago where a monkey got loose and ran down a table jumping onto a man's back. (laughs) He thought it was a squirrel and took it upon himself to kill it. But just in time, the kid, the monkey's owner, saved the pet. It was like a therapy animal. (gasps) A monkey at a wedding? Have y'all ever... I didn't know that, but I didn't know it was a therapy animal, yeah. <laughs> officially licensed therapy animal. Wow. I mean, you put a vest on anything and it becomes a therapy yeah, animal. Like, no, I mean, if you're a therapy animal, what are you running down the table and jumping on backs for? That's, That's a not a well-trained point. therapy animal. No way. No, it's not. That was two days ago. Wow. No, my th- I would tell my therapist, <laughs> the things that really kind of lightens me up when I'm stressed out. 
when I'm stressed out and, and like having social anxiety is if a yeah. monkey starts running around causing mischief. Can I get one? <laughs> Can I get one? Dude, monkeys are no joke, though. A, a grown chimpanzee yeah. kill you in an instant. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. It's, Oh, a gr- a chimp? Jesse's almost I know a gorilla. Can Jesse for sure, was almost a part chimp. of a chimpanzee murder. Oh yeah, chimpanzee. I know. You'd I think had they're a all friend. Sweet, but I think I yeah. then I tell that story just a few weeks ago, didn't I? No. About no. the uh, the guy yeah, who no. went on the date. No, tell it. Okay. I so what? No, I would remember this. Go. So I had a buddy. I remember a guy going on a date. I, 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 I had a buddy <laughs> in college who like we were hanging out once. You know, he like came back to the dorm or whatever. And uh, he just looked, he just had like a really weird look on his face. I'm like, dude, what happened, man? And he's like, he's like, you know, I just, um, you know, I don't think things are going to work out with me and the girl I'm dating um, because her dad has a monkey son. And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, wait, what? He goes, yeah, it's real weird, man. It's real weird. It's getting dangerous. He's like, he's like, so the first time I go over there, Oh, like, monkey son. He goes, the first time I go over there, man. I don't know how this happens to she's you. Like, she's like, hey, there's something you should know um, before we go out. My, you know, my, my family wants to, you know, just be introduced to you. But you should know that my dad has a monkey son. And he really would like for you to be introduced to him. Because he's a monkey almighty. And so, like, I just like so he's like, it a uh, monkey son. okay. He's like, no, you don't understand. He really loves this monkey. It is like a member of the family. And he's like, all right. So they go into a room in the house and the monkey is like in a cage. Like he's like a caged giant monkey. And the dad is like, hi. And whatever the monkey's, you know, pickles or whatever the monkey's name is. He's like, I need you to meet Sean. And at that point, the monkey reached out of the cage and grabbed the top of the dad's head like a basketball and was just palming it. And the dad's like leaning over. He's like, "Ah, it's okay. He does this all the time, but clearly in pain. And the monkey was demonstrating that he could have popped the dad's head like a melon if he wanted to. Right. And like the dad's carrying on a normal conversation. So where are you kids going to dinner? tonight while the monkey is grabbing his head. Being okay. No. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh so that's just the beginning. That's just, so he's like, so eventually he has an awkward conversation. So imagine having a conversation with the father girl you're about to take out and it, the, 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 the father's head is in the grips of a monkey. Like that's literally what's happening. So so uh, he's like, okay. So eventually, the conversation, and he's able to pry himself away from the monkey. But the dad's like, not. He's he's acting like he's not embarrassed, but clearly, it's a weird thing to happen, right? <laughs> um, and so uh, a, a couple days later, you know, so they're out to dinner. Sean asks the girl, he's like, well, hey, what's up with the monkey thing? I'm like, why? He's like, well, my dad just really has always loved this monkey. He's like, the monkey is is like super old, and uh, he was like, I want to say it was like as old as the daughter. And he's like, but this, oh she's gosh. like, but this particular breed of monkey has like a weird thing like in the wild they always kill <laughs> the weakest smallest member of the family and that's me so i can't be in the same room as a monkey because that monkey instinctually one hates me and wants to kill me like the monkey's always wanted to murder me oh my gosh. So sean's like okay this is weird and so anyway they go on another yeah. date and she's like sean i have to tell you something something horrible has happened and she's like oh no what what's 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 wrong he's like there was an incident with a monkey um so she's like i'm sitting there and this is like she's sitting there and like the fa- this is the story she tells sean she's sitting there at the family office like working on you know a paper or something we're in college and she looks in the reflection of the screen and <laughs> no. she sees the monkey in the doorway standing behind her. The monkey has escaped. No. 
And he silently, <laughs> I promise, this is what he said. She's like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh no, there's a monkey that hates me that's been waiting for a chance to murder me in the doorway behind me. So she said, she's just sitting there. She doesn't want to turn around. And she like, she grabs a letter opener in her hand. It's oh, like, okay, no, I'm about no. to have a fight Jesse. to the death. I'm about to have Don't. a fight to the death with a monkey. Like right here in the family office. So she's standing, so she's sitting there. She see, she's watching all this in the reflection of the monitor. Like she can't turn around. This then she sees her dad's silhouette like sneak up behind the monkey and she sees her dad slowly take off a belt and he like <gasps> reaches back and slaps the monkey with the belt as hard as he can across the back and she's standing there watching this and all she hears is it's the monkey scream because the monkey never saw the belt slap coming and he and, and she says the dad tackled the monkey and used the belt to like apprehend him and he's like just get out of here and she like ran out of the room while he like wrestles the monkey that has just been slapped no. with the belt and what? she's like and then she's like tell Sean she's like listen man things are just really intense at the house right now after the incident and the belt slap so and, and Sean's like okay this is too much for me I didn't even like the girl that much yeah, 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 I'm, I'm not getting involved I'm not getting involved in a, in a in a family dispute with a with a monkey that wants the murder that just got slapped with the belt. He's probably even more savage. He's worked his way out of the cage once, so he dumped her, and that was the end of that. But uh, yeah, they, you, you can't trust them. You can't have them in your home. These are these are jungle bees. I can't imagine that you thought you had just told us that story. Uh, yeah, I have never heard that, that story. That was as unbelievable a story as I've ever heard. Seriously, I mean, I mean that is. Unbelievable. I mean, monkeys are like easily kill people. Like, oh, yeah. And I, I can't believe I can't believe he hung on. Like as soon as she said the word monkey son, he would have been yeah, like, yeah, yeah. waiter, check please. Uh, I'm gonna, I would have just yeah. leave immediately. Yeah, Unfriend as a single on all woman in the story, network. I know some stuff to hold back on. And a monkey son is a thing you don't say yeah. early in the dating uh, see, relationship. Hey, well, it depends on what kind of guy you're going for. Because if I was dating a girl, she's like, my dad has a monkey son. I would say, check please. We're going to your house right now. We're going right now. And I'm going to meet your father and I'm going to meet his son right now. Uh, oh, man. That, that is, is insane. Absolutely yeah. insane. That's li- literally I that's mean, the only word. That's insane. Sean Orth, I don't know if you're listening, man, but uh <laughs> Sorry, crazy. Pal. Yeah. I mean Sean, you've dated some real winners, buddy. Okay, well that'll do it for last week's feedback. Yeah, There's I a lot more stories where where those uh live. Go check them out. It'll be yeah. worth your while. You know, there's certain moments on this show where you just realize we we're done. We're, we're just gonna wrap that. We've done all there. we can do right now. <laughs> it is time to yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we a monkey son is getting cracked in the bat with a belt, on you know, yeah. <laughs> I think we're just yeah it's good. Just yeah, we're, we're done on feedback. Okay, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Well, earlier in the show, I shared a very intimate detail of my life: the day that Stephen Baldwin crawled into a bed. <laughs> While I was playing poker <laughs> with the skateboard. <laughs> with the skateboard. I hate that story. No, no context needed. That's all. <laughs> no. um, yeah, I hate you know, it so we, much. It got us thinking. For this week's question of the week, we want to know your weirdest Christian celebrity encounter. Sadly, that is not my weirdest Christian celebrity encounter, but I will hold those stories for another day. Nope. Uh, but we want to oh, know your weirdest week? Christian celebrity encounter. Hit us up at uh, on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you can write your longer stories on the podcast episode page. It's the fact that we know what Christian celebrity even means. I mean, 
Just that whole phrase. A, a celebrity who no, no, we all. is big in the Christian industry, yeah. maybe? Yeah. Even so like, we're not talking like Chris and, Pratt. I'm not talking like, like a believer who's a real else. celebrity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we're yeah. talking, yeah. We're talking like, Nashville. Wait, it can't be that? Like, it can't be a believer who's a celebrity no, 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 for no. another? It's a Christian industry celebrity. In the culture, they're a celebrity. It's a Nashville celebrity, a Christian bubble celebrity. Settle down. Settle down. I mean, where do you? They don't all live here. Who doesn't live there? Well, Colorado Springs has a few. Yeah. Colorado Third day lives in Atlanta. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> it was up. Oh, okay. This should be good. Well, many thanks to Austin Channing Brown for joining us. You can get her new book, I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in the Age of Whiteness, endorsed by Eddie Koffeltz of eddiekoffeltz.biz. <laughs> <Yeah>. Incredible. <laughs> endorsed. It's a really great book. Uh, follow her on Twitter at Austin Channing. Um, hey, and while you're online, um, head over to iTunes and leave a review of the show if you like it. If you don't like the show, keep it to yourself. But if you like the show, leave a review and it helps other people find uh, the episode. It, it helps the show. Uh, and also while you're online, head over to relevantmagazine.com. The new issue of Relevant is actually going to the printer this week. It's exciting. We'll tell you more about it soon. Uh, the current issue with... Aubrey Plaza is out now. Uh, Charlemagne the God's in it. A lot of great artists and uh, thoughtful content. Check it out. You can view it online at relevemagazine.com. You can also subscribe there as well. There's a good deal going on now. And on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Eddie Koffel. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Annie F. Downs. We'll see you guys on Friday. Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. And all she hears is ah! Relevant Podcast Network.